What's wrong with you people? Thank you for tuning in to Matter of Theology. Uh, Matter of Theology is a podcast production by Faithful Life Ministries where we seek to bring uh, biblical, uh, what would you say, Chris? Biblical reasoning, biblical understanding to the culture and to those those pesky little, uh, you know, cultural aspects that are making their way into the church. Yes, and we seek to do that even in spite of those who would call us narrow-minded fundamentalists, uh, people who who don't practice discernment. That's right. That's right. Uh, we are on Patreon, so if you would like to partner with us, go to patreon.com slash theology. We are about to start recording videos. I know, I feel like I said that last time, but we, like, we're literally about to start recording videos. We just needed to get some different types of uh, uh, programs to help us with video editing and things like that. So we're about to start doing that for Patreon supporters. Uh, if you would like to donate to us the conventional way, reach out to us through email or, you know, something, get a hold of us, Facebook, whatever. Faithful Life Ministries is a nonprofit organization. So your donation is tax deductible. Uh, but today, uh, the topic we have is, I believe, a very necessary topic. Uh, the topic is biblical discernment and biblical wisdom. Now we see a lot of things going on in the culture. We see a lot of things making their way in the church and we see a lot of church people and pastors that don't seem to be exercising very much biblical wisdom and discernment or discernment as Dr. MacArthur would like to say. (laughs) (laughs) And we all know Chris is the MacArthur guy. But to help us to help us do that, um, we brought in a very special guest, Dave Jenkins from Servants of Grace. So, Dave, uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. It's always a privilege to come on any show and and to, and to talk. So, thank you for this opportunity. Yeah, no, man, it's great. Um, you know, and and for our listeners, you know, and our listeners are probably wondering, you know, where has Josh been? Well, Josh has a part time job. Um, and for some reason they keep scheduling him to close on Thursday nights. So he will be back with us. Uh, don't worry your little hearts. I know you miss him, but, uh, I think we've got, I I think we've got, uh, you know, adequate co-hosts with Dave today. Um, so, uh, you know, you and I, I, uh, you know, kind of met through, through Brad Weber, our friend, um, through Facebook and you run, you run servants of grace. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Now, how did that get started? Yeah, I started Servants Grace at the age of nineteen. Oh wow! And I'm I'm uh, going to be thirty nine next week on the on the twenty sixth. So I've been doing ministry since I was sixteen years old, and uh, Servants of Grace kind of grew out of my writing ministry. I I uh, started writing in devotional probably like my junior year in high school. So I'm probably seventeen, eighteen years old, and. And uh, people, but even before that and during it, were like, "Hey, if you keep doing this, you're going to end up being a ministry of some kind." Because uh, I was reading, a, I read a lot. I don't know if you look at my Facebook, but when I post a stack of books, about like fifteen or twenty. So I, I work my way one chapter, usually through a, a just one at a time, one chapter um, in each book that I'm reading, usually. And, and but sometimes I get into a book and I'm I'm reading it. Um, so yeah, uh, what is Servants of Grace, I guess, is the question. Uh, we are a 
We are a multimedia ministry. We have uh, a blog, obviously, that, that you wrote for, Drew, and then we have lots of podcasts, and we have a magazine, and uh, the Lord has uh, just grown this ministry over over time as he does, and uh, just being faithful to the word and, and to serve people so with the word. Wow, that's awesome. That's awesome. So where are you from? Yeah, I, I'm from originally born in Seattle. And uh, well, I was originally born, if anybody knows where Edmonds is in Seattle, it's north of Seattle. Uh, if you don't, then Seattle is fine. Um, but I was, uh, uh, so I lived there for about 26 years. And then my wife and I got married and we moved where she's from in Idaho. So we lived in, in Boise for about a decade. And then we moved here uh, to the greater LA area. Uh, won't even bother with trying to explain where. Uh, but uh, in, in November of 2017, so. Okay, okay. Yeah, that's where uh, that's where Josh is from. He's from up uh, Seattle area around there. Yeah. Um, so what, when you're not doing writing, when you're not re- reading, you know, for your writing and whatnot, what do you like to do in your free time? I, I like to, I like to spend time with my best friend, my wife. Uh, I like to go out and eat. I know, I know, it's so cheesy, but it's true. <laughs> I, I just... I kind of really like my wife. Uh, you, you know, I see your Facebook posts that you make about her, and I can tell that. I can see yeah, that. I really do. Yeah, oh, that's I really good. Like my wife. That's always. I know all the ladies are like, "Oh, that's so sweet," but it, it's just true. She's just my best friend. Um, yeah. I like going to movies with her. I, I like to watch the Seahawks. So I know you guys are in Atlanta. So you know, you know, you're welcome for having our coach. You know, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now before we get started, tell us one unique thing about yourself. Yeah. Uh, at the age of 19, I, I shot 64, which is uh, 600 par and a par 70. Uh, I, wow. I played uh, varsity golf, uh, played all over the state. Um, I even played uh, for Fellowship of Christian Athletes once at one of their tournaments. Um, I have two hole-in-ones. I, I got one um, awesome. on Thursday. Yeah. It was uh, it was pretty it was pretty cool um, on Father's Day, and then the other one was with my dad as well. Wow, that's awesome! All right, so now let's let's get into this topic because um, I know this is a topic that you actually suggested to me when we were, uh, you know, discussing things about the show and whatnot. And I thought it was a great topic. It's one we haven't we haven't gone over yet. Um, so first, what is biblical discernment? And why is it important to have biblical discernment and biblical wisdom? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. Well, I mean, obviously, biblical wisdom, it, it starts with with God himself. You know, God has given us wisdom um, in his in his word. You know, there's the, the book of Proverbs and, and Ecclesiastes and Song of Solomon and probably maybe one other that I'm forgetting off the top of my head. But, you know, that's considered the wisdom literature. And so, so these books, they, they teach us what wisdom is. What, is, what does wisdom do? Uh, that's that's, a, that's a, a, a longer answer. Uh, but the short answer to that, since we're on a podcast and we're not giving a lecture, uh, the short answer to what, uh, that would be uh, what wisdom is, would be um, it starts with, it, it helps us to grow through trials. It helps us to face trials. It helps us to know, um, you know, how, not only how to face them, but but that we have, uh, we can have confidence in the God who has given us wisdom, but He's given us His Word, and and the, we would go to the character of God and see that God is faithful and 
and true and, and just in that, you know, um, uh, Hebrews tells us that he is, he is the, the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. So we can trust this God. The wisdom that he's given us is, is good. And uh, the book of James says that it's peaceful and it's, it's good and it's uh, things like that. James 1.5 tells us that we should ask for wisdom. Um, it, it helps us so we can walk through James. Um, you know, tell, James 1.2 tells us that in the midst of our trials, there's joy. Um, there's, there's wisdom, there's, there's help for us. And that's, uh, that, that's really good. So I would just say short answer, biblical wisdom helps us to grow in the wisdom of God and his word, um, through, through trials. Uh, did, did you guys want to jump in there before I keep yeah, going? You know, Chris has been, uh, Chris, you've been reading through, uh, Hebrews the past couple of days. And so yeah. I knew, I, I knew when he said that, I, I was like, oh, Chris can jump in right here. Uh, no, I mean, really, the, what I prepared for for this episode was really more about discernment than wisdom. But uh, but that's absolutely true. I mean, Hebrews. Uh, let me flip over here. Um, I was in Thessalonians there for a second. Uh, Hebrews thirteen five, and uh, I think it's verse. Uh, yeah, thirteen five, uh, thirteen nine uh, specifically. Um, so Hebrews thirteen nine, uh, do not be carried away by various and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods through which uh, who were so occupied were not benefited. Uh, that that was the one I was I was thinking of um, uh, as far as that. But, but you know we we have wisdom so that we're not carried away. We we seek for biblical wisdom so that we're not uh, carried to and fro. Uh, scripture says elsewhere by by various winds of doctrine. So. Uh, so yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. Keep going with the wisdom, man. And then we'll, we'll jump in with some discernment. Yeah. So, uh, you know, in talking about, you know, Dave, you mentioned that wisdom begins with God. Uh, and ultimately that begins with God's word. So, so really we could round this out fully by saying we obtain wisdom, biblical wisdom by ultimately resorting back to his word. That's, that's, that's well said. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just because, I mean, it's, you hear all the time uh, and especially uh, in, in charismatic movements, which is a movement that I came out of with the vineyard um, you know, people want to find God's will for their life. And so they're always seeking wisdom, but, but it's, it's, it's a misplaced wisdom. Right. And so what they're often forgetting is returning back to the word. It's almost as though the word is not enough. The word is not mm. sufficient. And, and that's really for our listeners, that's a constant theme that we see is sufficiency of scripture. And yeah. so even in the things like wisdom, right? The Bible is sufficient for pro procuring a substantial wisdom for our life. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I mean, Jesus said, you know, I'll get into this in a little bit as well, but I mean, it, it applies here. Jesus said that, you know, to sanctify them by the truth, your word is truth. Uh, so, so that's where wisdom starts. It has to, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Um, you know, it is, it, scripture is clear about that. So, yeah. Yeah. So, so I mentioned the kind of the charismatic movement, um, but, you know, Dave, what in doing Servants of Grace and writing these articles and having other other contributors, uh, you know, write for you, what are some ways that you 
see the local church, right? The, the local church and those who would claim to be Christian moving further away from biblical wisdom. Yeah. Well, you just, you just hit that. You just touched on that so well um, that, you know, the word of God is, is sufficient. And not only is it sufficient, but it's authoritative, meaning that it's, it's not only for life and godliness and that it's also binding in our lives. But I would also say that the word of God is clear. So it's, it, we're able to, to know the, the word. And, and, and Paul says that these things are um, in First Corinthians, something, I can't remember the exact reference off the top of my head. But, it, but these things are spiritually discerned. And, and God gives us uh, illumination on, on the road to Emmaus. Jesus not only interpreted the scriptures, Luke 24, 27, but in that passage, it also helps us to understand how he, it says that he opened their eyes. And so he illuminated the, their understanding. He interpreted and he illuminated their understanding. Um, so, you know, our job is, is, is we don't, illuminate people's understanding obviously right. that's that's the work of the holy spirit and, and god uses the, the the word um to do that so but the bible gives us um uh, a plan for uh discernment I, i'm not going to get into all of everything here so i'm just going to quickly run through a few points about this so i'm not gonna i'm not gonna explain everything in, in, in as much detail as i probably would um, and another opportunity, if that if that's okay, unless you want. Yeah, to. yeah, no, I mean, you know, you know, you can hit hit on those points, and then we can always come back and do a later episode, you know, where we actually take those specific points and dive into them. That's fine. Okay, yeah, that's cool. Uh, so step one would be to the to the to step one would be to desire discernment. So the desire for discernment is born out of. Humility. It, it takes humility to recognize that we that uh, we have a word from God and that we need that word. It it, it distrusts our personal feelings. Um, it, it casts our, us away from self sufficiency and instead, as you said, on the sufficiency of of the word. Um, the Bereans were commended because in Acts uh, seventeen eleven uh, for examining the scripture to see if we are are so. Uh, step two would be, uh, I would say, the, the second step to be discerning is to pray. Uh, why do you need to pray? Uh, we already hit that. God illuminates the word, so you need to, in order to rightly interpret the word, you, you gotta, you gotta pray. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, third, uh, you know, it's it's not enough to just be discerning for uh, discerning purposes. Um, so what I mean is uh, discernment is not enough apart from obedience. Uh, God actually calls us to obey the word. Mm. You know, in, in James 1.22, it says that we're to be doers of the word, not only hearers only, uh, deceiving ourselves. So, so we're not supposed to be even um, even 1 John, uh, I think it's 1.7. It says that uh, if you say you don't have any sin, you deceive yourself and the truth isn't in you. Um, but if in 1 John 1.9, if you confess your sins, God's faithful and just give you and to cleanse you uh so so we should read uh the fourth thing i would say real quick is um emulate those who demonstrate good discernment so uh, i'll unpack this a little more because i think this is this is where uh we we get a little off base uh chris you quoted uh ephesians 4 14 uh being tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine 
So you should only, when I say that you should emulate those who demonstrate a good discernment, what, we're, what I mean is that you need to find and follow leaders who display um, an ability to discern, to analyze, to repeat error, to teach the scriptures clearly and accurately, to, to read from authors who prove themselves to be careful handlers of a divine uh, truth. Uh, listen to preachers who rightly divide the world. Learn from people who understand where error has attacked the church historically. Uh, place yourself under uh, pastors who love the word and teach the word, who model the, a love for the word. Uh, that, that's the kind of culture of, of, the, of the local church that you should uh, be in. Um, there's been, just hitting on church history really quick, if, if that's okay. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, there's lots of examples of, of great discernment throughout church history. Uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones, Jerry Gresham Machen, uh, these are two men in the past century who have distinguished themselves in the battle for truth. Obviously, uh, I mean, what Reformed Baptist doesn't love Charles Spurgeon? If you don't, I mean, <laughs> we have to have another conversation about your Reformed Baptist. Right, right. right. Yeah. Just be like, bye-bye. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, Charles Hodge, scores of other writers from the 19th century, they, they left the rich history of material to help us understand truth from there. Uh, before that, uh, Thomas Boston, uh, Jonathan Edwards, George Whitfield, they battled for the truth. Uh, we could go back further to the Puritans, the 16th and the 7th century. 7th century. Uh, they gave us a rich catalog of resources uh, for discernment. And obviously, we could go to, to John Calvin, uh, to uh, Augustine, and uh, uh, even before that, Athanasius, and, and on and on, I'm sure we could we could go there. So. Something, uh, something amazing. I just, I just read in the Great Awakening is, is what Jonathan Edwards went through. You know, years and years of being. I mean, by far, and I, I would still call him this probably the greatest American pastor that uh, that we've ever seen. But, you know, he stood up against his own father-in-law uh, and, and exercising discernment and not allowing unconverted church. Uh, or unconverted people to join the church and partake of the Lord's Supper, and of course, the church ended up kicking him out because of it. Yeah, uh, so daughter. Yeah, Solomon's yeah, daughter. Yep, yeah. yep, yep, yep. Yeah, there was. Uh, I, I'm reading uh, the diary of uh, Andrew Benar and reading just those. The it, I'm still in like the the first couple of pages, but in the first couple of pages, he's struggling with his salvation. You know, it, it, and he he's diving into the Word. He's listening to lectures, and he's going. Today was a good day. I thought I was saved, and then he <laughs> the next day he's like no, I'm not saved. And it's just this progression. You see his mindset is always focused on wanting to know Christ and wanting to be broken over his sin. And, you know, even he, he says things like, you know, this day I'm not yet broken over my sin enough. Um, and I mean, that mm. comes, you know, from uh, being in the word that just that, that knowledge that in that wisdom to know, I haven't quite arrived at salvation yet uh but the desire is there to push towards it um yeah i would say i would say one problem that people have with discernment is not that there's anything necessarily wrong with discerning blogs by in general or discernment in ministries it has to do with how they go about that right so it's yeah. often too nitpicky um you know there's a way to adorn sound doctrine and love and then there's a way to make sound doctrine repulsive. 
Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And part of the goal of being discerning is, is to grow in spiritual maturity. The, the, the path to real discernment is spiritual growth. The, the, the real, uh, the person who is able to distinguish between uh, truth and error, that, that person is, has a growing um, spiritual maturity. Oh yeah, to quote you know to quote the Prince of Preachers, Charles ha Charles Haddon Spurgeon, he said this. He says, "quote Discernment is not knowing the difference between right and wrong; it is knowing the difference between right and almost right." Close quote. Uh, one of my one of my favorite favorite quotes. And then again, you mentioned uh, the doctor, who is uh, also one of my favorites. Uh, quote: Error in doctrine is always fatal in the life of the individual in the life of the church. Close quote. So. Uh, it's definitely, definitely something that's needed, but just like, just, uh, you know, Dave, to your point, it's something that's, you speak the truth, but you have to do it in love. Yes, you give defense for the hope that you have, but notice the rest of that. It's, or before that, it's sanctify Christ as Lord in your life. And then after that, it's do it with gentleness. Uh, so absolutely yeah. right. Uh, the, I like to think of apologetics, not just as giving an answer for the reason for the hope that you have. It's actually, if we look at the whole book, it's actually an argument for your life and from your life. Oh, that's, that's right. good. I yep. like that. Yep. All right. Now let's, let's kind of transition into discernment. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the, I would, cause, cause people would say, you know, I have knowledge, but knowledge isn't necessarily wisdom. Knowledge really is the knowing of things. And I would say wisdom is kind of what you do with those things, but now wisdom and discernment, uh, is there a difference between wisdom and discernment? And then what is the difference? Dave, go ahead and start that one. I, I know I'm kind of throwing that one out there. <laughs> it just popped yeah, in my head. Yeah, that, that's a, it's, a, it's a good question. So, so we've said that wisdom comes from God and wisdom comes from his word. So, right. so wisdom and understanding. Um, so knowledge and understanding. Well, we know where knowledge comes from. Knowledge comes from the, the Bible. How do, we, how do we get understanding? We get it from the Bible. So knowledge and understanding in, in wisdom literature, it's it's the difference between knowing something in your head and knowing it in your heart and being able to take that thing and apply it to your life. So let's say you have a decision to make, right? So you have knowledge from God's word. We have general principles. So so God doesn't say, hey, go buy this house, right? Uh, get it, you can get a house and, and those types of things. But he doesn't say, oh, you have to have this type of house. You know, you have some people that... And say, oh, well, I don't know if God wants me to have this house or move or, or whatever. And, and we that's why we need the body of Christ. We need to understand the, the general principles of, of wisdom and understanding. Because when we take these two ideas, it helps us to be able to discern truth from error. Mm. Um, and we, we need to remember that the New Testament, um, when the New Testament was written, they didn't have all the the epistles and, and all of everything. Right. Um, so they didn't, all they had was the books of wisdom literature and they knew it better than we did um and so but now we have those books and so we can refer to that so i'm not saying that we don't uh that we're not careful that we're not uh that we're not wise in making those decisions i'm just saying using this as an example to say that we need to be wise and then we need to use biblical understanding and that helps us to be um discerning it helps to have our actual experience, which is what we should have, defined by the truth of the word. Um, so, 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I would say, I mean, scripture um, to, to Dave's point, um, you know, you see uh, when Jesus commanded, um, uh, when Jesus commanded to, one second, sorry, uh, I'm totally thrown off there. When Jesus was commanded to throw, to, to you know, he, he said to, in the book of Mark to search the scriptures. Um, you know, that, that, that was his command to the apostles and the disciples. You look at the miracles that were referred to, you know, you look at what the apostles and the, and, uh, uh, what the early church had to hold on to. It was the today's point, the wisdom literature, um, you know, but for us, but for us, it's, it's, it's not being one who would, um, uh, you know, not, not being one who, getting messages and it's throwing my, my train of thought off. Hang on one second. Let me turn do not disturb on. Cause that's gonna, that's gonna bug me. Um, what a rookie mistake. I know. Right. I know. Um, you know, so we have, we have the Bible and, and we have imperatives, we have commands, we have admonishments, you know, and, um, when I think of discernment, um, you know, that there are a couple of different passages that my mind runs to, um, you know, because there's a need for discernment and, um, you look at, uh, you know, Matthew, Matthew seven fifteen says, you know, beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Acts 20, 28, be on guard for yourselves and all the flock among which the Holy spirit has made you overseers, the shepherd uh, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Um, I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves, men will arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Therefore, be on alert. Um, you know, Second Corinthians eleven three, and I love this. Paul said, but I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve that by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. Um, Ephesians 4.14, we already mentioned, Colossians 2.8, see to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of men and according to the elementary principles of the world rather than according to Christ. Uh, 1 Timothy 4, 2 Timothy 2, 1 John, uh, 1 John 4, Jude. Um, I mean, I could keep going, but the point is, is we are commanded to be on guard. We are commanded to be as the noble Bereans, and Dave already mentioned it. Um, you see, you know, J.C. Ryle, right? The great J.C. Ryle said this, quote, beware of supposing that a teacher is to be trusted because although he holds to some unsound views, he yet teaches a great deal of truth. Such a teacher is precisely the man to do you harm. Poison is always most dangerous when mixed with wholesome food. Uh, and, and Ryle also said, quote, the old enemy of mankind, the devil, has no more subtle device for ruining souls than the spreading of false doctrine. And you see that outside the church. And you see that um, you see that inside the church, you know, outside the church, you see these, this idol worship, you see Romans one coming to fruition where, where the creation is worshiping the creation <laughs> um, and worshiping the creatures. You see the stuff like abortion and false religion and, and gay marriage. And um, it, it's, 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 you know, the, the goal outside the church for those who want to tear down the church is to sink it, to burn it, to destroy it. And then inside the church, it's worse. You see Trojan horses, you see heresies, erroneous doctrine, apostasy, you see uh, extracurricular worldview, you know, look at CRTI, critical race theory and intersectionality, what that is doing to one of the largest Protestant denominations today. 
Um, you know, it, it's, it's Satan can't destroy it from the outside. So he's trying to poison the waters from the inside. Uh, I just read an article today about, uh, and it's here in Georgia, unfortunately, but a Bible that supposedly was leaking and, and secreting this, that's an awful word, uh, oil that it was, I mean, imagine this, it was proved to be a sham. Uh, who would have thought, um, you know, I, I mean, there's, there's just so much out there and so much input. In Bro, today. you talking about my, you, you talking about my vial of oil <laughs> right here? Yeah, this is from, no joke. This is from that Bible. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. So wow. my dad got it for me as a joke. Um, and so I just, I kept it. Wow. 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 So, I, I mean, pa Paul mentioned, and I already read it in Acts 20, that's his farewell address to the church in Ephesus. And, um, you know, to, today's church, for the most part, what you see in the, the pragmatic, the seeker sensitive, the easy believism churches is you see a, it's like a ship without a rudder. Uh, and it's just floating all over the place. And scripture speaks to that. Um, you know, uh, I mean, th there's a weapon that we have been given by the Holy Spirit to battle against the enemy of what we see today. Um, and that weapon is the word of God. Um, and, and the great JC, I'm going to quote JC Ryle a good bit because he had a great, a great passage in his book, Warnings to Churches. He said this quote, the Bible faithfully and freely expounded is the safeguard of Christ's church. And then later on, he said, quote, what is the best safeguard against false doctrine? I answer in one word, the Bible. Regularly read, regularly prayed over, to Dave's point, regularly studied. We have to go back. Uh, I'm sorry, this is still in the quote. We must go back to the old prescription of our master. Search the scriptures. And that's from John 539. Um, I mean, discernment is something that's sorely needed today. And that's and it's nothing new. Um you know, I, I just ran through all that stuff in scripture that we see. Um, so, man, I'll, I'll pause here. What you guys got? Go ahead, Dave. I'll let you take it away because <laughs> you're our guest. <laughs> what do you what do you want to say? Drew? No, I mean, you know, the, the things Chris is, is talking about, really, when we see great examples of how biblical wisdom and discernment can be should be applied right when we talk about the sbc and the things that are going on in there as as their pastors conference is coming around yeah. and then when we see critical race theory um and intersectionality how that is plaguing so many churches not all, I, I mean so many networks so many churches so many denominations, right? This is where people really are. And, and we'll just take critical race theory and intersectionality. It's where people are elevating certain types of people above what scripture says and how we should view people in light of the gospel. And, and the weight is placed here, but this is used as the footnote to try to elevate these people. When well, it's, you know what's... Oh, I'm sorry, buddy. You know no, what's awesome ahead. about that, though, too, is not only is it completely antithetical to the biblical worldview, not only do you see it completely fly in the face of Colossians 3, not, I mean, I can't, uh, I'm going to calm down, uh, Colossians 3, Ephesians 2. So you see that, 
not only is it antithetical to that, but it's been proven from a scientific and a biological standpoint that race is nothing but a sociologically, culturally Marxist worldview. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. There's nothing to prove that race exists. In fact, there's one race. There's the human race. Now, ethnicity is a different story. Mm-hmm. Even from a scientific world, a scientific standpoint, it's what's found in the blood. It's biological. It's ethnicities, right. not racism. Yeah. So, so let's bring this back to scripture real quick. Yeah, so and that's sorry. Well, that's, that, well, that's just the, yeah. the categories, right? right. So right. once we start to elevate race and, and view things in terms of race apart from ethnicity, now we've we've left the biblical standard and now we're not allowing the Bible to be our source of wisdom and our source of discernment for making decisions. We've now moved into uh, say what the culture says we should, we should use as far as weighing the, these two matters. That's correct. That's, I mean, that, that, that's it. And, and, and again, bringing it back to discernment, I mean, you, you look at, you look at Paul's admonishment to his son in the faith, Timothy in first Timothy six 20, um, you know, uh, da, 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 I just had it here. There it is. Oh, Timothy, uh, guard what's been entrusted to you, avoiding worldly and empty chatter and the opposing arguments of what is falsely called knowledge, hmm. which some have professed and thus gone astray from the faith. Grace be with you. That's how he ends first Timothy six. And then in second Timothy one, he continued, he said, retain the standard of sound words, which you have heard from me in the faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus guard through the Holy spirit who dwells in us, the treasure, which has been entrusted to you. And so when you look at passages, like again, relating to what we're talking about, first Thessalonians five, um, when, when Paul's saying this to the church of Thessalonica, he says in verse 19, do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophetic utterances, but examine everything carefully, hold fast to which is good, and abstain from every form of evil. Now, I want to talk about this for a second. Do not notice that this this sentence here, do not quench the spirit. There's a semicolon there. Um, that's, That's important. Do not despise, okay, the prophetic utterances. All right, so so don't make light of, don't belittle or downgrade the the prophetos, which is preaching, standing before someone to speak, heralding, interpreting with discernment, proper hermeneutics, the word of God. So the the negative aspect of that, do not quench the spirit, is implying that accepting proper preaching is an exercise in fueling the spirit in our lives. And remember, that's the weapon that we have against the, the enemy's attacks and lack of discernment. The spirit living in us, empowering us through what? His word. So when you go back to, when you continue to go through this, hold fast to which is good, Paul's reminding uh, uh, reminding the church of Thessalonica, and he does the same thing to the Roman Christians in Romans 12, 9. He says to hold fast, that's to possess, to, to take hold of, to retain, to get possession of everything that is good, excellent godly, beautiful, honorable, noble, fair, to, to hold on to that and then to abstain, to keep off, to, I mean, distance yourself, to be away from, completely avoid, complete separation. Don't entertain it. 
don't even let a, don't give it a foothold evil is not to be trifled with in any way and there's a lutheran commentator his name is that linsky he said quote the worst wickedness consists of perversion of the truth although many look upon these those perversions with indifference and regard them as harmless that's a problem that's the problem with with using things going back to the crti critical race theory and intersectionality as an analytical tool it's based in and it is it is founded in cultural marxism which is evil that is antithetical to the bible so paul here is saying cast it off you know, he says to abstain from sexual immorality, not, okay, you can do this as far as sexual immorality, but, you know, you, you can do a little bit of it. You can dip your toe in. No, no, no. <laughs> Don't go near the water. Stay away from it. That's part of discernment. To Dave's point, you not only, you not only gain this knowledge, but you act on it, right, James? Being doers of the word. Avoid this stuff. Mm-hmm. Sorry. <laughs> Dave, what are your thoughts? I don't really have anything uh, to say about the the social justice gospel and and those types of things. I mean, but we could we could take this and go in a lot of different directions in terms of the yeah. sensitive movement. You know, uh, I think I think Chris mentioned or or maybe you did uh, the the pragmatic church. I mean, we should have the emergent church. I mean, the, the whole idea of let's have a discussion about discipleship, but then that discussion is divorced from doctrine actual the the sound uh the source of sound doctrine which is yeah that's a good point brother well let's let's even have a moratorium brian mclaren said on homosexuality well that that says everything that that we need to know right uh so the the whole idea of the seeker sensitive movement which you know that was the that was the foundation for the emerging church and so let's let's have something that's that's apart from the bible well we just have to go back to the people say Oh, well, you know, we don't have a, bi- a battle for the Bible today. And I just want to say that that is so not true. We, we have a battle for the Bible today. Uh, in fact, we could go back to uh, Jay Gresham Machen and uh, his classic book, Christianity and Liberalism. And he says that liberalism is, is, is not Christianity. Uh, right. It's not biblical Christianity. It's not rooted in, in, um, in, in, the, in the Bible, in the, in the creeds and the confessions. It's, it's just not christianity at all it's it's another religion so so what progressive quote unquote and i use air quotes here christianity because uh, it's not christianity and that's what that's what jay gresham machin is is arguing for it's not christianity what he's saying is that these mainline denominations that have gone away from christianity they, they've gone away from the bible because yep. they've denied the bible they've denied the authority of the bible but what that's we right. we also have a problem with today is you have people that say, well, you know, I might believe in the authority of the Bible, but but then they question Genesis. They say, well, that that's not right. really what it means. It's, right. just, it's just a fairy tale. It's just uh, another story that that is told in the other stories of the Bible. And w- when we actually study that claim, we know that's not true because it's just it's just not true. And it, the the story of uh, creation tells the story of God. And uh, not only that, but but if we say that that's not true, then we have no way of showing that John 1 is true, that, mm. you know, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. So we, we not only deny the incarnation, but we also have to do away with the incarnation. You do away with those, I mean, you, you do away with the Bible. 
That's right. You have no salvation at that point. Um, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and I'll go back, Dave, to your point to the, you know, the practice. I actually wrote down in my notes, how did we get here? And there's such an attack on the truth today. And one of the first things I wrote down was pragmatism, easy believism, weak preaching. And uh, J.C. Ryle in that same book, Warnings to Churches, said this, and this is a strong quote. uh, So get mad at J.C. Ryle, not me. Quote, surely the dumb dog and the sleeping shepherd are the best allies of the wolf, the thief, and the robber, close quote. Mm -hmm. And when you look at the command, uh, you know, and and the comfort and encouragement that Paul gives Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, 6 uh, uh, through 8, he says, quote, in pointing out these things to the brethren, that is the things in the word, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, constantly nourished on the words of the faith, and the sound doctrine which you have been following, but have nothing to do with worldly fables fit only for old women. On the other hand, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness, for bodily discipline is only of little profit, but godliness is profitable for all things, since it holds to the promise uh, for present life and also for the life to come. Now, I hear a lot in this about, uh, well, and Chris, what, what, what you just said speaks directly I think, to the role of the pastor and why the pastor should not be ignorant to what's going on in the world. That way, that way his sheep that come under his care, he needs to know what they're listening to as far as, you know, things outside the church, you know, are they listening to other preachers? What are they reading? That way he can say, this is good. This is bad. And be able to actually care and shepherd for them. Yeah, on uh, th- uh, this past Sunday at uh, uh, at uh, at Praise Mill, Josh Bice uh, called out from the pulpit, called out someone who was a heretic, and he did it with grace and boldness. But he did it as his desire is is to to warn the brethren, to point out the things to the brethren as being a good servant of Christ. Mm-hmm. So, Dave, what you got? I was going to say that a good a good pastor. Uh, I think I can't remember who exactly said this off the top of my head. I'd, I'd have to go look up the quote. But a good pastor reads the Bible and a newspaper, uh, the mm. quote went. And, oh and the idea was, is that you're not only just reading the Bible, you're reading what the, you're not studying the world, you're reading about the, news, the newspaper, the, the events of what's going on in our, in our day, in our culture, to, to understand, hey, this is, this is what's happening, these are things that are coming against the people that that where they're at in their, in their workplaces and, and those type of things uh, with, with an eye to help them to see those things through a biblical lens. Uh, Carl, do you guys know who Carl F.H. Henry is by chance? I do not. I do not. Um, he, he actually uh, was uh, one, of the, one of the founders of uh, what we call modern evangelicalism. He was the editor for uh, Christianity Today, the founding editor of Christianity oh, wow. And uh, he helped start Fuller, I believe off the top of my head, he helped start Fuller Seminary. He, he was pivotal. He was a theological giant of modern evangelicalism. Um, and, and one of the things that he talks about in his, uh, it's six books on scripture. And uh, it's really heavy. It's like reading a it, 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 It's, it's nice. heavy, it's heavy, heavy, heavy reading. But it's, uh, he talks about in there about, uh, uh, Christianity as a life view, and I'm just reminded as you guys are talking, it's it's not just a worldview in that it informs our life. As as I said about apologetics, it's not just something that we say. Uh, the the argument that Peter's making is that it's something that is is all of our life, our whole life. That's right. That's right. 
That's right. So that's what that's what Carl Henry is talking about. It's not just a worldview. It's a it's a life view. It's a way of not just understanding the world around us, but how we are to see the world. And that's that's what I was trying to say about the question about um, about wisdom and understanding. It, it helps us not just to see the world, but but to see it through as um, uh, John Calvin said, certain spectacles mm-hmm. um, through through the through the lens of the word. Yeah. Right. And that's right. important ultimately because we have to live in the world. Sure, sure. Well, and and to that point, uh, you know the you know, the church today, unfortunately, and this this is this is heartbreaking, and it's uh, it just shows the importance of you know it's one of the greatest threats to the evangelical church today. Uh, we have to first rest in the sovereignty of God and understand that He's going to build His church, and nothing is going to stand against that. But when you look at, you know, Dave, to your point, absolutely. You, you study the scriptures and you take a look at the newspaper. And I love that. I love that. Um, and, uh, you know, and it, it's exactly what we're seeing today. Everything from CRTI, which we talked about, to superstitions, to unfortunately, you have pastors and churches that are okay with giving credence and visibility to movies and TV shows that have content in them that at best will cause someone to stumble in their thought life in the hopes of quote unquote, redeeming that culture. Mm -hmm. When in all actuality, Jesus set us apart to be the antithesis of the world. And, you know, John 15, 19 and 20, uh, you know, if you were of the world, the world would love its own, but because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world because Mm -hmm. of this, the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you as a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, uh, they will keep yours also. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm reminded of, of John 17 again is uh, John, four, uh, John 17, 14 through 17 says, I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world. Even as I am not of the world, I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. Um, that you know, reminds so, me of, of that message Paul Washer gave at Praise Mill. Yeah. Right? You yeah, know, what, yeah, yeah. people say, you know, the world's problems will just get better if we just love more. And because that's what Christ would do. And, and he said, you know, what happens when you actually act like Christ? You get crucified. People that's hate right. you. Well, that's right. You know, and, and I mean, just again, just the, just this past week, you know, you've got uh, uh, David Hughes, the pastor of uh, Church by the Glades in Florida, uh, is, is th- this has been brought to brought to the forefront. He's doing, you know, a series called Victoria, uh, Victorious Secret mm. with the name of Christ attached to it about our victory in Christ. And it's got a card with a picture of a woman with sultry eyes and he's trying to redeem game of thrones and having people sing billy english songs about the devil um and performing them on stage and then trying to say well we're different we're like this hot guacamole because the gospel's like hot guacamole and i'm like you're of the world you're of the world and then scripture's got some pretty strong warnings for those who are friends of the world uh are not friends of god like and that's Mm -hmm. That's not abstaining. Right. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, biblical wisdom um, would say if you're a pastor, well, if you're reading the Bible, you're not going to go that route. Yeah. 
Yeah, you know, it's, it, what's interesting is I'm, I'm, I've been reading and studying First Samuel, and it, it's interesting, um, you know, David slays obviously Goliath, but, but when he falls away from the Lord, you, you see no reference to the priest. You see no reference to him seeking wisdom or guidance uh, from other people or from the priests or anything. That's right. Like that. That's right. That's uh, right. Instead, what you instead what you see is is he's making a mess of of things, and and right. what happens is that fear fear cripples him. It, it poisons his his heart, and that's what fear does. It it comes in and says, "Oh well, you know, um, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to I'm going to embrace fear, right?" But what is uh, what does God want us to do? He, uh, to your point, Chris, He wants us to be wholly separate to Him, and that's not that's not fundamentalism. That's that's actually uh, rejecting worldliness um, and embracing godliness. Yes. And that's what David was. That's what David was uh, in in First Samuel uh, uh, twenty seven. He um, he instead of going, uh, he goes away from the people of Israel, which you know that at the time this is where salvation was found. It's it's in the it's in the land of, of promise that God has given to them. And God yeah. and he goes to the Philistines instead. Um, what does that what does that show us? He, he went David went away from the Lord. He went away from the promises of God. He went away from where he was called to, to be. Even though the, the justification was he was protecting the people from right. from Saul. But but even there we have we have a danger because we can be like David. We can go to our own Philistines. Um, and you know, like we're talking about away from the Lord, away from the truth. And, and what's the, what's the warning? God calls us, has called us out from the world, but we don't hate the world. That's right. That's right. God, Jesus right. never says to hate the world. That's right. Absolutely. He, he says to, to love people. Um, but, but we're to be holy to him. Uh, first Peter 1, 13 through 15 commands us. That's you know, right. It says Amen. that the Lord, uh, going back to Leviticus, uh, 11 uh, 44 the lord is holy and so he called because god is holy he calls us to be holy to him to be separate to him to be different from the world distinct from the world we mm. you know we are the ecclesia we are the called out ones amen um, we are saints we are adopted we're beloved so so we don't love the world but we love we love the truth and therefore that enables us to love people in the world because we have a message to carry them and to bring them. Yeah, that's good, man. That's yeah. good. I mean, it, and I think of too, when you said fear, you know, the, the fear of man or the fear of the Lord, it's, it's, uh, wh wh where are you going to start? Are you going to, I mean, Paul said in Galatians one, or, or whose approval are you seeking? Uh, are you striving to please man, please man, or, or, and he said, if, if, if I was, I wouldn't be a bond servant of Christ. Uh, you know, so who will you serve? Who will you be a bond servant of the, uh, the world or of Christ. And if you are of Christ, then, then we have a command to, to diligently daily as the Bereans did search the scriptures, search the scriptures, mm. apply them, live, live for them. Yeah. Yep. Amen. Amen. We have the, you know, the, the, I, I wrote a, I don't, I think you were going to mention this uh, at some point, but I have a forthcoming book on uh, with Hasid and Emmett. Um, they're out of Canada. Uh, the, if you guys know who Dr. Michael Haken is, uh, Joshua Press, have you guys heard of that? I haven't. I haven't. No. Okay, so, so they're, they're a reform, they're a reform publisher, and I wrote a book that's forthcoming on the problem of biblical literacy. A lot of what we're, a lot of what we're talking about here is, it's, it's basically that. It's wow. the problem of biblical literacy is, is a solvable problem, um, and, and I argue in, in, argue in the book 
the, the argument is is talking about why. Why do we read the Bible? Why do we study mm. the Bible? Why do we memorize and meditate on the Bible? Why do we apply the Bible? Um, and, and the answer to the problem of biblical literacy is it's solvable. It's in the New Testament. It's it's to sit under and under good, solid preaching, as we've been talking about, um, uh, you know, and, and recover a good understanding of what biblical exposition is and why it's important and how, how do you sit under that? And then uh, what does that mean to do life with one another? You know, we are commanded uh, to 50 times in the New Testament to do life with one another. Mm-hmm. Uh, one another passages are, are part of, of what the, we do in the church with one another. Um, That's right. Very burdens, careful one another, um, et cetera, and so forth. How do we do Bible study? So it's not just why, but, but people need to know why. That's the problem with biblical literature. People, people go, like, I had a Bible study at our previous church in, in southern Idaho, and, and we would go, we went, we went through the Gospel of John in, in four years, okay? Which is, which is really a long time for a men's Bible study, I know. If you're listening to that, you're like, man, I'm glad I wasn't in there, okay? <laughs> but you know what? I, I broke it down, and I, I took questions, so it wasn't just that, but, like, like it was good, but... But what I, what I began to see is that people that have been in church like 40 years or so, they don't really know as much as they should. That's and that's right. heartbreaking yes. because it also reveals not just that the new Christian have a problem, but even the seasoned saint. And we don't want to point out anybody and be like, hey, you don't know everything. and We're not trying to be mean or whatever. Right. But it's like it shows that the problem runs really deep. I like to think of it this way, okay? In California, we have wildfires, and you know those the the firefighters they go into the they go into the the the, the firefight right they they go to take it out. But what's happening is is instead of the firefighters going into the the, the wildfire, what they're doing is those wild those firefighters are standing back from the fire, and the while well, the fire blazes and the fire keeps going on and on right, it never gets stopped. The problem with biblical literacy is that at the point where we have a wildfire and it's it's threatening to Jesus says that his church will you know the gates of hell will never triumph over it. So I'm not saying that that Jesus won't triumph over biblical literacy because that would be heresy, and I'm not a heretic. <laughs> so so but I but I am saying that we have a serious problem and there's a wildfire and and we have the we have the solution in the water of the word and we have a solution that God has given to us to solve it. And it's totally doable. It's totally 100% able to be resolved. Amen. Amen. Well, I think right there, that's a good place, uh, you know, for us to stop this episode. I think this may be the first episode in the series on wisdom we're going to have to do. So we're going to have to definitely have you back to talk more about uh, wisdom and those points that you went over, uh, uh, you know, for sure. But uh you know, I think that for, for this episode, that's a good place to, to stop. Um, we want to thank you guys for listening. Uh, we hope that this episode was beneficial to you. Uh, if it has been, I mean, hey, reach out. You know, we would love to, to hear it. We would love to uh, know that, you know, the content that we're producing is helping people. I mean, I know you guys have heard us say that before, but, you know, we want to make sure that, you know, you know, you want us to keep going and keep doing what we're doing. Um, but we want to say a, a special thank you to Dave, so, uh, yeah, Servants of Grace, for joining us on discussing this topic. Um, lots of insight, 
lots of insight and very what we love heavy saturated with scripture amen i mean love that that's what we love um but with that we are going to get out of here and we will catch you on the next one that's right see ya